edition of the Acacia Covered Podcast presented by Capital Federal True Blue. Uh, welcome again, Ricky Peterson, Mac Moore, Scott Pask, and me, Brent Maycock, to recap state basketball, the last of the winter sports to complete their championships. It occurred a couple weeks ago, but it's still pretty fresh in our minds, and uh, we saw some great things out there, some great champions crowned in each classification, and we'll just start running down the classes uh, highlighting each tournament, starting in Class 6A, where Scott Pask was in Wichita and got to see Blue Valley Northwest boys and Blue Valley North girls capture state titles. And Scott, uh, you saw the EKL kind of flex its uh, flex its muscle down there. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, you know good storyline for Blue Valley Northwest. They've obviously been an outstanding program. Uh, uh, won their sixth state title since since 2013, but but what kind of made this one unique is they finally got past Wichita Heights, which has been the other power in six A boys, and and uh, you know I've, I've I've been fortunate to see I think I've seen every one of their matchups uh, in the state finals, and it's you know it's just been that hurdle the Blue Valley Northwest is uh, as great as they've been uh, for the last decade. That was always the hurdle that that, that tripped them up. I, I covered back when Perry Ellis was playing for Wichita Heights. Uh, Clayton Custer and Ben Richardson were playing for Blue Valley Northwest. I saw, saw you know Heights got them three times, you know, in in route to four straight state titles, and and uh, you know Blue Valley Northwest finally flipped the script, uh, you know, here this this season with just outstanding performance, you know, from their senior point guard Grant Stubblefield, who who was great last year in in a runner up finish to Wichita Heights, but. Uh, you know, he was sensational, clear throughout the tournament, scored 22 points in the championship game. Uh, they beat Wichita Heights 55 to 50. And, um, you know, it's just kind of a fun story with, with Grant. He's he's bound for the University of Omaha to play basketball up there, but uh, grew up as a ball boy uh, for Blue Valley Northwest back when Custer and Richardson and those guys were were uh, were playing for the Huskies. And, and so he's kind of a, you know, he's, he's lived and, and, and breathed the program as a, as a fan and then, uh, became one of its great, you know, all-time great players here, and and uh, it came up really big, and and 22 points in the championship game. But I think really, uh, what tilted the scales for Blue Valley Northwest, you know, finally against Heights was just their inside play. Their inside guys, uh, Joey Mattioni, Landon Brown, Brown, and, and Gavin Hoffman uh, were sensational. They, uh, you know, they they got a little out physical last year in the championship game. This year, they kind of took the fight to Heights, and and. Uh, uh, you know, also with a taller guard like Jake Fritz, who who scored 16 points in that championship game, they use that size to their advantage. I mean, Heights is not small, but they really hit. They like to go to Heights likes to go to the hole and and really had trouble getting that done uh, against those tall guys from Northwest. And and uh, you know, it, Blue Valley Northwest got the lead up to 18 points, and and you were starting to wonder, boy, is this gonna this gonna be a route? But it but. But just like Blue Valley Northwest last year when they got way behind in the championship game, uh, you know, Heights showed it, it's a pretty proud program too. And they made a made a big run, uh, got it down to four uh, before finally ended up losing by five. But just a, just when those two teams get together, it's just a, it's a great matchup. It's a great, you know, I don't I don't know if you call it a rivalry just because of, you know, the only times they're guaranteed to see each other is at state. But it, it really has become a, a you know, just a – a very interesting matchup of two programs whenever they get together in 6A and and a, a nice win for for Blue Valley Northwest second year head coach Aaron Eim who who won a state title at, at Raytown South in Missouri and gets one with Blue Valley Northwest and uh, you know was fortunate to go in the locker room afterward and the, and the players were really 
you know, I, you could just tell that, um, you know, Ed Fritz has been kind of the legend there at Blue Valley Northwest, and now Iam is in his second year replacing uh, him. And there was a just a really a great acceptance of Iam, I think, and and uh, a really good celebration uh, with their championship. And and it wasn't easy, you know. Blue Valley Northwest had to get past its its you know one of its rivals, Blue Valley North, in the semifinals, and that was a hard fought two point game. And uh, so. Outstanding team for Blue Valley Northwest, which finishes twenty-one and four. All of the losses outside of you know to, to teams outside of Kansas, uh, but they they certainly earned it, and and I think it's one that'll that'll uh, of their six titles. I think this one will be as big as any of them, just for how it how it was achieved. And and then on the girls' side, I think you know Blue Valley North uh, gives Ann Fritz her four state championship, her four six A title, all at Blue Valley North, and. This one was the first one since 2005, and it was it was a hard fought. It was a grinded out game, and and they trailed for much of the way. But uh, one of their seniors, Nyla Hill, hits a couple free throws with 17 seconds left, and, and Blue Valley North knocks off the defending champion Washburn Rural, 35 to 34. Uh, very painful loss for Rural because um, it was one of those where it, it, I think it just comes down to if they make some free throws, they're 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 back to back champions, and they. It was a concern um, that, that Coach Kevin Bordewick brought up after their semifinal game. They struggled from the free throw line, and and uh, in the championship game, they go eight for nineteen from the free throw line and miss a couple late that that precedes uh, Hale's trip to the free throw line for the winning points. And so, very close, close battle. North was actually down by ten midway through the third quarter, but started chipping away, and they've got. Uh, more class with Julia Davis and Aubrey Shaw and Logan Parks and. And they all bring length, and and you know, uh, they just make things difficult for for opposing opposing teams, especially on the offensive end. I think they showed it in the semifinals against Derby. They really made it tough, uh, you know, on Addie Brown and and the Panthers just to get what they any any good looks uh, on the on on the offensive end, and and uh, they they kind of flexed that muscle when they needed to against Washburn Rural uh, as well, and it, and Rural was in really good position and. Uh, kind of a key key moment in the finals, uh, you know, Brooklyn Delay, their out, uh, Rural's outstanding senior. She got her second and third fouls late in the first half, and and uh, that was really something Rural had to navigate. Uh, you know, Kevin Bordewick was pulling uh, Brooklyn in and out, trying to get her on the bench for a couple minutes at a time, get her back in, and and it was it was you know it was the right thing to do because he needed her on the floor, you know, for the stretch run. But it was really tough for for Rural to just maintain that edge that it that it had built early in the game uh, and it, it eventually kind of opened the door for Blue Valley North to come back and, and win. So, uh, you know, great, great run by Blue Valley North. And I, you know, with the, with the sophomore class that I mentioned there, Davis, Shaw and Parks, you know, they've got, and uh, you know, they started four underclassmen and, and, and really are set for, for a good run here in six a. So uh, two, two good ball games, two, two uh, very worthy champions in six a. Now, Scott, has Ann matched Ed for state titles? I couldn't remember how many Ed won at Blue Valley Northwest, but that's that's quite a duo there with Ed and Ann Fritz, uh, each each with at least four, I believe. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right, and and uh, he may Ed actually may have five. I I think because that was Blue Valley uh, Northwest six boys title, and I think I or I, this was yeah. I'm's first. So I think Ed had all the others, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So. So yeah, she's she's close, and and uh, uh, you know her 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 previous title in 2005 was also a one point victory. So I, you know, she was very comfortable in the in those tight games in the in the, in the championship, and, and was very happy to get another one. 
Yeah, for sure. And and what a great one run by Washburn Rural. You know, they lose Zoe Canfield midway through the season. Uh, standout point guard already is committed to the University of Kansas. She goes down with a knee injury at midseason. And for them to uh, to really bond together, have a lot of role players really step up and, and take on bigger roles. I know Mariah Lutz, the senior guard, really stepped up and had a, a really good state tournament uh, in the first couple rounds. Uh, some younger players, Kate Hink and Tindley Bunk, uh, really stepped up. And what an amazing job uh, by Rural and, and Coach Mordewick to even get in that position after losing such a key player. So uh, great, great season by Washburn Rural just to get in a position to defend their state title. Definitely, definitely so. Yeah. So Class 6A, your boys champion, Blue Valley Northwest, girls champion, Blue Valley North. And go down to Class 5A, which was held in Emporia. Mac Moore was there all week and saw the St. Thomas Aquinas girls train continue its role. They win their seventh straight state championship. And then Andover Boys takes the boys uh, title in 5A and beats Cape and Mount Carmel in that championship game. And Mac, you saw some uh, some great action down there, including, you know, some girls games where the top seed Seaman girls go in and, and St. James comes out and plays a whale of a game, knocks them off. And then you get to see undefeated Highland park go down in a thrilling semifinal game as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and definitely going into, uh, that, uh, girls, uh, first game. I mean, uh, just, they kicked it off, uh, with so much firepower from, uh, Riley, Brugman, who, uh, you know, she played well enough that uh, she kept uh, St. James uh, in the game against Aquinas in the, the semifinals as well. And then, uh, you know, even when they lost there in the third place game, uh, she probably had her best performance going up uh, against Andover in that game. And it was just uh, just a back and forth between her and and uh, Brooke Walker. Uh, but a lot of a lot of great performances and uh, I think looking at it as kind of you know Aquinas getting their seventh you can kind of uh, look at it as nothing surprising happened but I mean the really uh, tough matchups for Aquinas after you know they get a really uh, you know uh, big victory uh, over Highland Park in the quarterfinals but after that uh, I mean, that was a fight. I mean, it, it came down uh, to the wire against uh, St. James. I thought uh, there was a good chance uh, St. James, just one of the threes they shoot late, you know, if uh, one more shot goes down for them, uh, they could have been knocking off Aquinas. Uh, then you get into the finals and and, and Bishop Carroll uh, stuck with them for, for most of the game. Uh, senior uh, Landon Forbes, uh, she – had a tough semifinal matchup. I think uh, Bishop Carroll and, and, and Andover kind of had the same strategies of let's stop the best player. So Andover uh, took uh, Forbes out of the game as much as they could. Uh, Bishop Carroll, uh, particularly in the second half, shut down uh, Brooke Walker and just threw everything at her. And the difference in the game just ended up being that Bishop Carroll had uh, Leah Hinky able to come through for them. Uh, in, in the finals, though, uh, it, maybe the best performance was from Landon Forbes. Uh, she just went off in that game. Uh, of course, Aquinas has so much firepower that, uh, you know, that McPherson came through 15 point games uh, in the semifinals and the finals. Uh, good win. Uh, I think she had eight assists, so she was getting everybody in position. Uh, 
you have Alexander Krause as a freshman, and she might be the most talented uh, player on the team that in a couple years she's going to be uh, pretty dang good. Uh, you just keep going down the list. They had, uh, you know, uh, a couple juniors and uh, Sydney Watts and, and Kelsey uh, Schink that – uh, without them, I like it, it would have been interesting to see how Aquinas was able to win seven following the the graduation of their two six foot three players from last year. Uh, they basically had some some prim, perimeter oriented players that had to step up and and be the forces inside, and that's what they were able to do. And they they end up getting that uh, sixty two to to uh, fifty six victory over Bishop Carroll in the finals. Uh, on the other side. Uh, it was just utter mayhem to watch Andover uh, find their way to the, the finals and, and get it done. Because uh, as you mentioned, uh, Island Park being undefeated, they go up against Andover in uh, the semifinals. And I mean, honestly, Andover uh, to get there had to hold off a uh, crazy comeback effort by May South and uh, Atwater uh, was was on a roll. So it, it kind of looked like uh, they might not make it out of that first round. And then when they're going up against Highland Park, Highland Park had the lead late, looked like they would be able to get the victory, uh, but end up missing free throws. And then uh, it was senior BJ Reddick for Andover who just took over the game, just – uh, had multiple steals uh, in the final minutes, turned those into points, a couple, uh, a big dunk. And then finally, the last steal that Andover gets, they get it up to Reddick. He gets uh, in for one last shot, uh, looked like it would be at the buzzer, but ends up getting fouled with less than a second left. And he goes the line, hits one, and then Highland Park thinks maybe they can get a shot off, but uh, Chris Harris ends up deflecting it, and you know they go crazy. They knock off Highland Park, and uh, their first strong win ends up being against uh, Capen. Uh, they they uh, it was a dogfight throughout until the the last few minutes, and uh, once again, uh, B.J. Reddick kind of goes into beast mode, maybe a little too much because he ends up getting himself uh, fouled out on a he gets a charge, and then one he's just kind of. Uh, gets in the paint, just pushes the kid in the back and uh, picks up two two cheap ones that he he knew better, but otherwise uh, an amazing performance for him. And then luckily they had uh, enough pieces. Rucker coming off the bench, scoring double digits uh, in each state game was pretty impressive. And then you add in uh, Christopher Harris, who got the deflection against Highland Park. He scored 14 points in the second half. He scored most of those uh, during the time that Reddick was either on the bench in foul trouble or fouled out. And they end up being able to uh, push it to a couple possessions late. And after having to win at the buzzer the last couple, uh, Coach Martin Shetler said, uh, even with those points, he didn't feel comfortable. He didn't think he would want a state title uh, until it was about four seconds left and it was still a couple possessions. Uh, but they end up getting that win over a really talented, uh, Capen team. And, you know, just, just watching, you know, that they you have so many stories you could go with. Cause uh, as I mentioned, Reddick just, uh, playing lights out late, you get a, a leading scorer for the team is a six man off the bench who had to accept that bench role. Cause he was a starter early and they just made a switch with one of the Harris brothers coming in and, uh, they, they felt better with it. And, uh, Rucker, took it in stride and uh, kept being a scorer for him. Just, you know, this spark plug off the bench and uh, all of it 
you know, fit together for them to, to, to make this run as the four seed and be able to, to, to get that victory. And, uh, you know, I, they were so good that I didn't even mention their star player, the coach's son, uh, Eli, uh, he, he was amazing in the first couple games and, and, uh, you know, Capen had a really great, uh, plan for, for slowing him down. He goes, zero of eight, uh, only scores four points off of free throws. Uh, but you know, th- those other guys knew that that was what was going to happen. They, and, and Eli knew, and he tried to play as smart as he could. He still took shots cause you couldn't just avoid it. But, uh, the other guys knew they could step up and be able to get that win over Capen, even if their star player, uh, got, uh, you know, just kind of taken out of his game there. So, uh, really impressive victory, uh, from, from Andover with their six seniors and, uh, you know, that uh, probably the big story that the uh, takeaway was, uh, both of these teams Andover and Capen were part of that forever four group, uh, in 2020. So they would have got to face each other in that semifinals. And, uh, they finally get to go at it a couple years later with a, a few of those, you know, uh, upperclassmen still left to, to, to be able to, uh, get that victory that they felt like they could, uh, get a few years ago. So, Really great bringing home Andover's first state title. Yeah, Andover was undefeated a couple of years ago when that when that tournament was canceled. So it was kind of a little bit of a unfinished business left hanging out there for a couple of years, and they they finally were able to take care of business. You know, and they were a team going in that we had talked about. We thought had the potential of of knocking off a Highland Park team, and I mean it was a it was a crazy crazy finish to that game. Highland Park kind of had that game in control, and and. Uh, Maybe got out of their own character a little bit in that game, and and Andover was able to to take advantage and get back and get the win. So Andover finishes the season twenty three and two with their first state championship. St. Thomas Aquinas finishes the season twenty two and three, seventh in a row. And yeah, the scary thing, like Mac mentioned, is all those girls are underclassmen, and just so much balance is the impressive thing for Aquinas. You look at that championship game, and four of the girls in double figures 15, 15 14, 11. And on the season, they were kind of that way. I think all four, all five of their starters averaged between ten and twelve points, and that's a that's a pretty nice luxury to have when you go into any game or any season where you have that much balance. To where, hey, if one player doesn't have it on the offensive end that night, you know you've got three or four other girls there capable of of picking them up and and uh, carrying the carrying the banner on. So, uh, great championships in five A. We move down now to class four A, where we had the Bishop Miege girls win yet another state championship and they beat uh, in the championship game. They beat a McPherson team that, that, that you, Scott talked about rivalries on a state level where the, maybe they don't see each other unless it's at the state tournament and, and uh, Miege McPherson fits that bill. They've met in the championship game numerous times throughout the years. And this year uh, Bishop Miege takes a 67 53 win over McPherson to cap another another dominating run through Class 4A, uh, you know, it started in in sub-state play where uh, McFer- where Miege knocked off Wamigo, which was the top seed in the East, a one-loss team in the sub-state finals, which ended up being their closest postseason game, fifty-six to forty-eight in that one. Then they get to state and take out number one seed Wellington for the second straight year, seventy-one forty in the first round. In the second round, beat a Hugoton team that was just loaded, moved up after taking second in Class 3A last year. They move up to 4A this year with three standouts in Samaya Adigan, 
uh, Gianna Bose, and then Mike and Hamlin, the Division One signee. They beat them 59-38, and then in the finals beat McPherson, and a really good player, Jordan Sears, in her first year at McPherson. They beat them 67-53 to for Miege. Finishes the season 16-9, and but all nine of those losses coming to just great programs. You know, you play in that Eastern Kansas League, and night in, night out, it's you're just not going to find any better competition. And and really, that's on both sides, boys and girls. It's just it's just a loaded, loaded league in uh, in basketball. Girls, I mean, you got six A champion Eastern Kansas League, five A champion Eastern Kansas League, four A champion Eastern Kansas League. I mean, that tells you the strength of that league. And so you come out of that league with some losses, you're still going to be a a, a pretty powerful team. And uh, Miege also. Very heavily underclassmen with uh, Kirsten Volhus, Mary Grant, uh, the McCallop girls, Grace and 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 uh, Faith. I mean, you look at them. Grace and Volhus are sophomores. Mary Grant, a freshman. Faith McCallop, a freshman. So this Miege team isn't going anywhere. Uh, much to the chagrin of the rest of 4A, uh, this team's got some staying power. And and uh, a nice tribute to uh, to the late Terry English. Uh, you know, longtime assistant coach uh, Kevin Mulvaney. Uh, steps in to uh, to take over, and he said it. You know, he and Terry were best of friends for 40 years, and and they coached together for a long time, just like that. And they, you know, he's wearing T-shirt that has Terry English uh, tribute on it, and and uh, so uh, you know, a nice moment for from Coach Mulvaney to uh, to honor his longtime buddy and and partner um, Terry English with a with another state title. Uh, 24 overall for Bishop Miege, far and away the most by any program in uh, in state history. But you know, a great a great season too by by those teams that that uh, Miege beat along the way. Uh, McPherson, a great team, a great program. Chris Strothman does just an amazing job down there with that program, keeping them year in year out as one of the teams that you you know is going to be there at the end. Uh, Hugoton, Ricky, you, you've seen Hugoton with their run of athletes. I mean. There, that's a that's a was a special group of girls over there in Hugoton as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and and the fact that they really had to to fight through some struggles there early. Uh, Mike and Hamlin tore ACL um, last summer, and it you know didn't get back till after Christmas break. But once she did, um, you know the other girls that had been kind of carrying the the load till she got there, um, you know one then once Mike. Once Mike and got back, they were really firing all, on all cylinders. Uh, you know, just they've had a really good run over the over these last four years, and uh, another another tremendous season for them this year. Yeah, speaking of Hugoton, uh, their boys come away as the Class Four A state champions. Uh, Hugoton boys finished the season twenty three and two and beat McPherson in the championship game sixty seven to fifty eight. And and as good as the Hugoton girls were this year. Man, the Hugoton boys were uh, just a special team. You know, they were state qualifiers in 3A last year, lost in the first round, move up to 4A this year. And under coach uh, Trey O'Neill in just a second year there, uh, they get the job done. And, Ricky, tell, tell us a little bit about that Hugoton uh, team uh, and, the, and the run that they were on this year. Yeah, what, a, what an amazing run to finish the season. Uh, you know, they had anticipated moving up to 4A this year. So, uh, you know, Coach Trey O'Neill, over the summer, he tried to go out and find the best competition they could at some of these summer tournaments. Uh, they were always playing up. He said, you know, they, they, they took some lumps 
but he he felt like it helped them uh you know prepare for for the turn for for when they got in the state tournament uh you know obviously they played really really well in their first two rounds over Clay Center and Eudora and then just got you know, against a perennial powerhouse in McPherson, just got off to a tremendous start. Uh, I think they had nine of their first twelve shots, uh, built an early thirteen point lead in the in the second quarter, um, and it just really you know stayed in control from there. Uh, thing about uh, Hugoton is they just got a really good duo there, and Riles R- Ryle Riddlesberger and Carson Bennett, those two uh, kind of led the way the whole year for them, and you know they've got a nice complimentary mix to go with it but uh you know how about the how about the job trey o'neill did um you know what a what an amazing start to his coaching career he's on, only his second year as a head coach he's only 26 years old and he's already a state champion um obviously won two state championships as a player under his dad glenn o'neill at scott city who i think glenn has five state championships on in basketball so uh kind of cool to to build on that family legacy for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just kind of fun to really see Hugoton, uh, you know, a team from Western Kansas, uh, kind of make themselves known. That was their first state title in, in program history. And, uh, you know, coach, coach, coach said they were, you know, it, it was good to kind of put them on the, maybe the, the state map a little bit, obviously the 4A, 4A has been dominated by, um, you know, McPherson and then Miege, but uh, to kind of make Hugoton known and show, show what the Eagles all about was, was really cool for that program. Yeah. Scott and I had talked a little bit about it uh, between ourselves about, you know, Western Kansas really doesn't, uh, hasn't been represented in the, as a champion in class 4A. Usually it's somebody from the East, whether it's been Miege or Ottawa or Eudora or, or a school like that, or Norm McPherson, which, uh, it's not not really that far west. It's kind of central of the state, but uh, you know, for a far west team, it's been a it's been a long time coming for a, a program out there. And and yeah, Trey O'Neill, you know, he he was great in high school. He was all state selection his senior year when he led Scott City to a state championship and played with guys like Ron Baker and Drew Kite and his older brother Brett uh, on on those title teams. I remember when he was a freshman coming in on the the title teams in two thousand. Uh, 12 and 13 and and he came in fearless and I think he kind of coaches that way uh, that you know he he's going to take on all comers and you know he obviously had a special duo there to to lead the way for Hugoton this year and uh, and they cap it off with just a tremendous season they start season one and two losing two games at the Hayes shootout uh, to a 5A Hayes team and a 6A Olathe West team that were both pretty good teams and then finish the season winning 22 straight games so Hugoton, your Class 4A boys state championship champion, McPherson runner-up. Uh, a great season by the, by McPherson. They you know they finished 21 and four and uh, and had a great year. And then third place was Bishop Miege. They beat Eudora in the third place game, 65 to 55, and that's significant. It was uh, Coach Rick Zeke's last game as Bishop Miege coach. He's been kind of the architect of of their powerhouse program all these years and and has led them to numerous state titles and state appearances. And, and uh, he goes out with, with a win in his last game. You know, I, I'm sure he was disappointed not to get back to the title game. They lose 60 to 54 to McPherson in the semifinals, but uh, Rick Zeke caps a, just a tremendous coaching career at Bishop Miege. So hats off to Rick for, a, for the job he's done. And, and uh, he'll, he'll leave a big hole there 
um, at, at Bishop Mies in Class 4A. And turning our attention now to Class 3A, which was held in Hutchinson. And, you know, going into the state tournament, we thought this one might be the most competitive, uh, fun tournament to watch. And I think, I think it played out that way. I think uh, when you look at who won the state title, I don't know that we're really shocked by that. It's, it's the two teams that won the 3A state titles a year ago. And Heston boys win their third straight championship and Goodland girls take their second straight. But I think that tournament just played out uh, exactly as we anticipated. The, the games were highly competitive, exciting, and maybe none more exciting than the uh, than the se- semifinal game with Heston and Southeast Celine. The two uh, two teams we thought were maybe the best two teams in Class 3A. And, boy, they certainly played like it in that semifinal game. Uh, Southeast Celine loses 53-51 to Heston. Heston makes a last uh, a last second shot in that game to uh, to win it and avenges their only loss of the season in that game. They had lost to Southeast Saline in the very first game of the season. Um, the season opened, those two teams played. And then the other semifinal was a great one, too, with Marysville knocking off undefeated Galena 45-42 in overtime. Then you get to the championship game, and Heston wins 50-44 over Marysville to complete the three-peat. And Scott, that you know, this wasn't the same Heston team we saw the past two years. They had to do a whole lot of retooling and reloading to get back into the position, but they had one big bullet in the uh, in the chamber to uh, to work around. Yeah, uh, Jake Proctor will definitely definitely go down in Heston lore for his performance this season. And and yeah, it was you know Heston to get that three peat with what they had with with what they faced uh, after Greg Raleigh stepped down. Uh, you know he goes out. As as the coach last year with a with back to back titles and just a, just a way any coach would want to go out on top and and Garrett Ross steps in moves up and and steps in and and uh, they lose that first game of the season to Southeast to Saline and by ten points and and uh, you kind of wonder okay well is Hester going to take a step back this year and now no they just they just turned it on right from that point and win twenty five straight games uh, raise that three year record to seventy three and three I mean that's uh, that's outstanding, and and with what they lost last year, you had uh, you know you had an all all class three A first teamer in Casey Richardson who graduated, and also Ty Schrader and, and Braden Schilling were were guys who received uh, all state honors, and and so Heston had a lot of big holes to fill, but they did have like you said the big gun in Proctor, and and uh, he was outstanding all season. He had some some monstrous games, and then. Uh, as you would expect, came through at state, had 15 points in the title game against, uh, you know, against a Marysville team that played really good defense all year. I look at their scoring, you know, throughout the season, and they they really shut down teams and, and just made it difficult for them to score. But, uh, you know, Heston's, Heston's journey, you know, that's when you look at these, when you have seven classes and boys and girls, you get some really great stories. And I think Heston, Heston's story is, is, is right, right near the top of all these teams that won state titles. Uh, you know, that – if you get a chance, go to CaseYouCovered.com and check out Brad Howyer's story on the on the 3A semifinal between Heston and Southeast of Saline. I mean, he builds the that game had so much drama and and it came down to uh, you know not just Heston making the late shot, but but Southeast of Saline had the final shot and, and Luke Gebhardt, Gebhardt takes a a three pointer. I saw it on TV. The TV highlights that thing is it, it, it is going in. I mean, it is absolutely going down the well and it just rattles off the rattles off both sides of the rim and, and pops out. It's one of those, if you, if you turn it down into slow motion, it's just one of those, it's just a movie. I mean, it's a, that you can just see the looks on people's faces as they're, as they're watching that shot go up and, and uh, uh, just one of the great classic 
uh, basketball games in a semifinal, uh, uh, you know, for, 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 for two high school teams, an outstanding rematch and, and Heston avenges that, that early season loss. So there's, there's a storyline before they even get to the title game. And then in the, in the championship game, Proctor scores 15 and, and Micah Dalston adds 11 points and, and, and Heston gets it done. So, so Garrett Roth not only takes the torch from, from, uh, from Greg Raleigh, but, uh, gets the Swathers, you know, another state championship trophy, just, you know, like you said, we anticipated 3A would be an outstanding tournament and, and it certainly did, didn't disappoint. And, and Heston, uh, uh, somehow with a, you know, behind a super, a great superstar and Jake Proctor, um, you know, adds another championship trophy to the, to the trophy case. Yeah. A great run by the Swathers and a, a great season by, by Jake Proctor. And, and then on the girls side, you know, wow. I mean, we had, it was a loaded field from the start where you look at, you know, the, the, the sixth seed had two losses. You know, the seventh seed was battle-tested Frontenac, which has always been at state. Eighth seed, a Riley County program that has a ton of history. And, and you know, the 3A tournament played out not quite as we hoped we or anticipated. I won't, won't say hoped. I would say anticipated. Uh, we we kind of thought maybe it would be Phillipsburg versus Goodland for the uh, state title, undefeated versus undefeated. But Phillipsburg gets knocked off in the semifinals by Cheney, which is a program that – they uh, they won the state title two years ago, and they they're no stranger to uh, a tough competition on a night in night out basis, and b playing on the playing well on the highest level, and and they knock off Phillipsburg fifty eight forty nine in the semifinals. Goodland comes in as the defending champion, undefeated. They edge Silver Lake fifty four to fifty one in the semifinals behind a monstrous performance by Telexa Weeder, and then in the finals. Uh, Weeder and Goodland, just too much for Cheney in this one. 59-37, Goodland captures undefeated state championship, goes 26-0, wins for the second straight year. And, Ricky, that we talked about special teams uh, like Hugoton. This is a team in their league uh, in Goodland, and, and they don't get much more special than the, than the group that Goodland's put out there this past couple of years. No, no, last year I think – Last year, I think uh, they were kind of flying under the radar a little bit and may have, may have caught some people by surprise. This year, you know, they had the target on their back. They took everybody's shot, and they just kept kept winning. You know, uh, t- a 26-0 season is, is pretty impressive considering the competition they face. You know, obviously, Hugoton in their league, and then, uh, you know, they, they faced a good 5A team this year in Hayes. That, that beat Washburn Rule early in the season, um, and you know they beat Hayes. They they're they're just a really really balanced team. Um, obviously, Telexa Weeder makes everything go. Uh, you know, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, she gets some calls from division some Division One schools, but I think she's already signed with uh, with Fort Hayes State, and I think she can have a really really good year for the Tigers. Um, Fort A State fans should be really excited because she's she's a really versatile player. She's a six footer that plays on the wing, can do it all, um, and and what a what an incredible finish to her career with uh, thirty one points in the in the title game. Uh, you know, looked looked like it was just a, a a good showing there from from everybody in the title game. Um, you know, and and um, they were just they were just too much for Cheney, but um, you know, Bill. Bill Beerman's done a tremendous job. Uh, you know, five years ago, he 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 he's been the superintendent there now for twelve years ago. And five years ago, 
um, their the girls basketball coach resigned, and they really they really had trouble filling that spot. And the athletic director talked to the superintendent Bill Beerman into taking over. He had coached early early on in his uh, in his career. Uh, he had been an, <clears throat> an assistant at Santa Fe Trail, and then went back uh, and coached at Wichita County for a little bit. But it had been a long time since he had coached, and. Uh, you know, they really struggled that first year. And then his second year, they got the class of, of Weeder and Lindsey Cure and Olivia Lehman and jo- Jordan Owens, who will be our True Blue student of the week uh, for this week. And that, that class really, really left their mark at Goodland. Not only were, you know, they tremendous basketball players, but the volleyball team had a lot of success there. So it's been, you know, it's just been a really cool story. And I know the, the community at Goodland is has really enjoyed watching this team take off the last couple of years. And, you know, what, what a better way, not, there wasn't a better way to finish it for them. Yeah. Just a tremendous, uh, tremendous group there at Goodland, uh, you know, Silver Lake ends up taking fourth. Phillipsburg bounces back and finishes third behind uh, Taryn Sides, who's one of the all-time greats this state has seen. Uh, you know, she ends her career, I believe, ranked top 15 all-time in state scoring with well over 2,000 points. And uh, it comes up just one win shy of adding a, adding a state title to that, to that resume. But uh, no, nothing you could take away from the career she put, she's put together. She's headed to Kansas State next year and I'm sure is going to make a tremendous impact for, for Kansas State. So uh, Phillipsburg takes third. Cheney, great, uh, great year under Sarah McCormick, um, takes second. And then Goodland, obviously – Takes the championship, winning its second straight state title in Class 3A. Moving now to Class 2A, where I was in Manhattan, and uh, saw some saw some good stuff. And and you know we talk about good stories, and it, it probably doesn't get much better than the story from the boys' championship with uh, Vance Unrau, the legendary coach at at Moundridge. You know he he announces during the season that this is going to be his last year after 36 years of coaching. And you know, I, when I talked to him, he said he was torn about whether he should uh, whether he should tell his team or not. But the school needed to post the job, and he figured that he might as well tell them. And you know, he didn't want to be any extra pressure or extra burden. But those kids really embraced it, and Moundridge uh, just comes out and, and and gets it done for him. Uh, they they beat uh, Wichita Independent sixty six to forty six in the state championship game. Uh, they were down early in that game, but with Independent coming out pretty hot, but Moundridge steadily and slowly behind Landon Kaufman and Logan Churchill and Barrett Modelmog and Henry Hecox, they come back and, and really run away with it to finish the season 23-3. and But the game of the tournament was the semifinal game where uh, TMP Marion and Moundridge, just two prize fighters slugging it back and forth and back and forth. And uh, TMP... They have uh, Luke Rome just has a monstrous second half in that game. Hits a shot in the lane with about 15 seconds to go. puts puts TMP up by one. Looks like he might be the hero. Uh, they come down. Moundridge takes a shot in the lane, and Dylan Worth blocks it. I mean, just just basically swallows it up. But as he's as he's still kind of catching and blocking and holding on the ball, he steps backwards, goes out of bounds. Gives Moundridge one last shot with a couple seconds left in the game. They get it into Churchill. TMP swarms him. He finds Henry Hecox flashing down the lane. Hecox puts it up. Swish. Moundridge wins. And it was, and just set off a mad scene. So Moundridge uh, gets the exciting victory there in the in the in the uh, in the semifinals and then rolls to the championship. 
uh, giving Vance Unruh his fifth state, fifth or sixth, fifth state championship. I can't remember right off the top of my head. Let me look here. Six. Be six, yeah. Yeah, they won four straight. Six yeah. state championship. Won four straight back in the days of J.C. Holloway. And, and the cool thing on, on this, too, was was just the family connections. Uh, you know, uh, when you talk, uh, Landon Kaufman's dad was – uh, Steve was a point guard uh, for 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 Vance Unrow in one of his early state championships. Churchill, his mom Tara Holloway Churchill was a, a state champion when she played. Her uncle was J.C. Holloway and Brian Holloway, who were on state championship teams. And and Model Mog's dad was on a, one of the one of the state championship teams. And you just kind of go down the list, and and there were so many connections throughout Unrow's history that just. It, you could tell how much it really meant to him and to the kids and, and to that that whole community just to kind of kind of see it all maybe kind of come full circle a little bit. You know, replacing Vance is going to be tough for whoever steps in there next year. But, you know, Mount Ridge is a school that that basketball tradition is is kind of on their side. That's what they do. They are they're just good at basketball in Mount Ridge, boys or girls. Every year you can count on count on those programs to be uh, among the best in class 2A. And so. A, uh, a nice, cool story for how things wrap up in 2A boys. And then for 2A girls, you, you stay in the Heart of America League, and it's Berean Academy girls getting their first state championship since 2008. Uh, Berean Academy beats Riverside in the state championship game, a game that they kind of controlled, and they win 48-31 in the title game to uh, to finish the season 25-1 and and give Kristen Wiebe her second state title. Uh, she was also the coach of the team in 2008, and that was one of her first years. And she said, you know, this is a lot different. I'm a lot older, uh, and uh, it kind of feels different. But, it's again, special feeling for her. And uh, Berean Academy gets it done this year. Their only loss this year was to uh, Sunrise Christian out of Wichita. Uh, so, you know, they basically any any and all comers they uh, they handled and really, really kind of had their way through the tournament. They, they beat a pretty good hoxie team, 41-25 in the first round. Uh, beat a really athletic Hillsborough team, 39-26 in the semifinals, and then handle, which was one, maybe one of the best girls' stories in 2A all of this year is Riverside. You know, a couple of years ago, that program was scraping for wins, three, four wins a year consistently. And then uh, they get Taylor Weiser comes in as a, a 6-2 post player who's just an outstanding talent. I mean, she was she was incredible and incredible at the state tournament. Craig Burns takes over the program this year, and Riverside goes to a 20-win team coming into the state tournament. They beat a really good Wichita Independent team in the first round, 49-30, and then they knock off undefeated Pittsburgh Colgan in the semifinals, 45-42, coming back from, I believe it was 12 down at the start of the fourth quarter to win that game uh, in overtime, and just a, just a tremendous upset. And they're young. I mean, they had one senior that played played a lot. Their Weisers is just a junior. Their uh, their point guard's a junior. They had a freshman guard step in and hit some big threes in the tournament. In uh, the Duncan girl and and uh, Riverside will be a team that will be one to watch next year in class uh, class two A. I, I I think they'll be one of the favorites, maybe along with Hillsborough and Colgan, to be right there at the end next year and it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they respond you know next year there's going to be expectations on that program returning basically everybody from from the team that made the, the great run they did this year so uh what a season for craig burns and the riverside cyclones uh you know the the program had never been since the combination of wathena and elwood wathena had gone back in the day elwood never had gone 
So, you know, starting a new new tradition up there uh, at the Riverside and and their fans were loving it. I mean, it was it was just like like some some new Kool-Aid to, for them to be just drinking up as much as they could. So I, I know they're going to be anxious to uh, and eager to get back to the state tournament next year and see if maybe they can take the next step. But, uh, you know, it, it won't be easy. St. Mary's girls were there. They lost in the first round of Colgan. They've got a great, uh, great sophomore in Hayden Heim. Uh, Wichita Independent was very young this year, and, and they finished the season with 19 wins. Hoxie returns uh, Josie Kennedy and some other key players, and then Hillsboro has Zaley Worth uh, back along with some other key players. So uh, it'll be a good girls' 2A tournament again next year, but this year, Berean Academy, you know, kind of all year, we thought they were, the, they were the team maybe to beat in Class 2A, even though Colgan had been undefeated. I think Berean Academy, just their their history and you know, last year they lost to Sterling in the in the semifinals, and Sterling had kind of been their nemesis, not only in their league, but you know, also on the state level. And and they they kind of took the page out of Sterling's book. Last year Sterling was senior dominated and really rode those seniors hard. And this year, uh, Berean Academy had six seniors and really rode them: Lily Veer, Tayton Smith, Kelsey Coons, and others. They uh, you know they really leaned hard on that senior leadership, and it showed every time. Berean was in a in a spot where it looks like maybe they could panic being a higher seed or something. Nah, they just kept their cool, stayed the course, and 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 continued to just make play after play after play, and cap it off with this with state championship. So, Mounders boys and Berean Academy girls are your champions in Class Two A. Class One A was boys Division One was in Dodge City. And we have Maxville boys taking the 1A boys state championship, beating Classical School of Wichita 73-62 to in the championship game. And then the girls, maybe maybe a surprise here a little bit. Donovan West wins his first state title, beating Quinter 55-49 in the, in the championship game. And the, and the big story on Donovan West was their first round game, the quarterfinal game. They got paired up with Central Plains. And I think across the board, I'll admit it. I know I picked them. I picked Central Plains to win it. I think everybody else on this panel uh, picked Central Plains to win it. And why wouldn't you? They'd won eight straight state titles, and that's all they did. All they've done in the last decade is win state titles. And I think we thought after surviving the sub-state they did that had number one Little River in it, St. John, uh, defending champion Pretty Prairie, we thought after they got out of that sub-state that, okay, maybe they'd uh, – Maybe they'd seen the best that they were going to see. And Donovan, Donovan West says, um, not so fast. And not only beats Central Plains, beats them by 20 in the, in the quarterfinals. So an impressive eye-opener. And as soon as they win that game, I said, uh, this tournament's Donovan West's to win, guys. And and uh, it sure was. They knock off top-seeded Norwich 52-38 to in the semifinals and then beat Quinter 55-49 in the championship game. And a great, great run for Quinter. They, they beat Olpe, another perennial power in the quarterfinal, 57-47, and to beat Frankfurt, which is a rival of uh, Donovan West in the Twin Valley League, 42-38 to in the semifinals. And Quinter, Anna Briggs, uh, a great uh, great career, a great season up there, and, and really a nice story, Ricky, for Quinter to come out and, and make it all the way to the state championship game. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned Anna Briggs, just an incredible career. I think she averaged uh, about 17 this year. Bryn Gillespie's a good player. Uh, Kasvnicka, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, they just had a lot of girls 
um, you know, really buy in. And this year, this is year, it's been an incredible ride for them. Um, I believe they only won eight games last year, so that just shows you how improved they were. And uh, you know, to come to come within one win of a state ch- championship, I mean, that's that's a in- pretty incredible ride for Quinter. Yeah. That's it. So Quinter and Donovan West play for the title. Donovan West takes it, wins the first state championship in their their top program's history. On the boys' side, we had a couple newcomers uh, in terms of playing for a state title. Again, we went in, we fought Olpe, two-time reigning champion. That's a team that uh, we thought would beat. They would uh, make it to the title game and, and win it again. And we figured South Gray, who's taken second to Olpe the last two seasons, might be the team they would face in the finals. And they met, but they met in the third place game. Opie gets knocked off 45-44 by Classical in the semifinals. South Gray loses 78-65 to Maxville in the champion in the semifinals. And so South Gray and Opie, instead of playing for the title, they play for third place this year. South Gray wins that one 87-7 in uh, double overtime to take third in the championship game. You got Maxville beats Wichita Classical 73-62 and Maxville. They're one of those teams that kind of like St. Thomas Aquinas. They're just really balanced. They have uh, have four or five guys that just are capable of getting it done. Uh, you know, Ryan Cuckelman, the coach's son, is is they're probably their leader. But he he you know he he's not really the scoring leader on that team. You, you got Rogelio Ibarra, you got Lance Lickus, you got um, you got just good players across the board for. For Maxville and in that title game uh, you know Lickus goes 20 and 12 and was one of four players in double figures for Maxville um, and so Maxville gets its first state championship since 2006 classical that was their first time ever playing in a state championship game had a great season uh, Jordy Dolloff is their star player their head coach is Tim Dolloff his dad uh, they finished the season 23 and 3 and so a, a great run by Classical. They beat Elyria Christian in the quarterfinals, and then they knock off Opie in a in a great semifinal, forty five to forty four, and and uh, something for that program to really take and and build upon in in coming years. They're going to have to replace some really good seniors, as will Maxville. But uh, Maxville finished the season twenty four and two, and uh, and a, just a great great run by the Mustangs there, and then. Lastly, Class 1A Division 1 was held in Great Bend, and, and Ricky said the, the accommodations were, were great and the, and the basketball was even greater down in, in Great Bend. Ricky, uh, how was the week in Great Bend? Uh, it, was, it, it was a great week. Um, you know, uh, on the boys' side, uh, you know, Greeley County really got tested there by a Lebo team that had just a tremendous run. Obviously, the girls the girls made it uh, to the final two before before losing uh, to Hanover and the boys. Uh, you know, just a, a heck of a maybe kind of a Cinderella run. I don't I don't know if you can call that because they they obviously played really good competition throughout the season, but um, they obviously caught fire at the right time. Uh, you know, a tremendous duo there between uh, Landon Grimmett and Grayson Schumacher or Shoemaker. Um, Shoemaker went off for th- 31, I think, or 30 in the quarterfinal. And then uh, Grimmett had Grimmett had like a 32-point game, I think, in the semifinal. So, um, you know, keeping those two to a manageable number was going to be key in the finals. And uh, Greeley County, the defending champs, they were able to do it. Um, but Lebo, Lebo had an eight-point lead early third quarter and, uh, and just kind of hit a little bit of a lull in the fourth quarter. 
and uh, Greeley County behind uh, Allstater, Jackson Brandle, uh, made a comeback there late. Uh, the key point in that game was it was a 41-41 tie uh, with uh, – it might have been 41-41. It was definitely a tie game uh, late late in the game uh, with 241 left, and Greeley County took a charge, and uh, unfortunately uh, Lebo got hit with the technical. So uh, uh, Greeley County hit the two free throws, and then Titus Shear just hit a monster three-pointer to put them up five. And after that, they kind of stayed in, in control. But uh, you know what a great what a great run it's been for Tribune Tribune Greeley County uh, second straight championship uh, this year. Uh, you know, like they weren't going to catch anybody by surprise. They had the target on their back as well. Um, they they uh, really played some good competition. The only loss was to uh, Northern Valley. And, uh, you know, they, they brought a huge, huge crowd there for that game. And uh, you could tell it was a really, really big moment for the community. Um, Jackson Brandle, uh, 21 points, six steals in the, in the title game. Um, you know, he's been, he's been lightly recruited up until this point. And I really hope that showing in the state tournament kind of warms up, warms up his recruiting a little bit because the kid has tremendous basketball instincts. Uh, just knows really. I'm impressed with him as much on the defensive end as, as I am on the offensive end. On the offensive end, he's tremendous, but on the defensive end, he just has a knack for always getting in those passing lanes. And uh, he came up with some huge steals in the title game to kind of help uh, Greeley County get past Lebo. But uh, yeah, it was just a just an amazing two year stretch there for the for the Jackrabbits. Um, on the girls' side, I mean, I think Hanover was on a mission, you know, from the from the the, the start of the season. Um, you know, they in the volleyball state championship match, they lost a really tough three setter uh, to to Lebo, and um, I think I think revenge was definitely on on their mind, and and the they played really well in the quarterfinal and the semifinal, and then in the championship game, they just took it to another level. Um, you know they didn't. They kind of struggled from from outside. They didn't hit a bunch of threes during this tournament, but uh, their athleticism and uh, their post play just really carried them. Carried them past Lebo. Um, they won the title game by twenty five. Uh, really impressed with Keegan Atkins. You know, early in her career, she was a post player for Hanover. This year, she was moved to a guard spot, and she really made that that transition well. And when you have you know, such a such a big team, and then you have a guard that can come and and grab the board and lead the transition the the way she does um, with her size and her athleticism. They just they just make for a tough out. Um, and then sophomore Anna Juniman had a tremendous tournament the whole way through. Um, I believe she scored twenty in the in the title game. Um, had a good semifinal. That that's just a deep deep Hanover team, and uh, you know they won back to back titles in 2017 and 2018, and uh, you know went through had ran into Central Plains a couple times, and then had had the pandemic in the the, the 2020 season. But it, and I know it felt really good for them to get back to the top of the mountain. Uh, you know, just kind of talking about Lebo a little bit, and Brent Brent might be able to elaborate on some of this, but. Uh, a tremendous run for them. Uh, Brooklyn Jones just had an outstanding all-around athlete, and she played really well 
throughout the tournament. Um, you know, I, I know she's going to be a big piece to replace, but they do have, they do have some um, nice returning, returning pieces for next year too. So I, I don't think Lebo's going anywhere, but I did. And I did want to give them a shout out. Um, we could have had a really difficult situation in the, in the quarterfinal game between Pawnee Heights. Uh, we talked about it last podcast. Pawnee Heights had uh, six players, you know, entering the tournament uh, or in, Six players entering the season, and then in the subsite final, their best player um, suffered a really bad ankle injury late late in the game, and she was not uh, she was unavailable um, unavailable for the state tournament. So they go into the state tournament with five players. They're down twenty five nothing to Lebo late in the first quarter, and then their point guard gets hurt. So I mean, when that happened, everybody's hearts kind of sank because it could have been, you know, a really really rough situation to to watch, and you know, and a great great show of sportsmanship. Uh, Lebo has one of their players on every position uh, possession stand in the corner to make it four on four for the rest of the way, and that I think that really helped Pawnee Heights, you know, be able to enjoy the fact that they got there for the first time ever. Um, they had a girl who didn't really want to go out for the basketball team, but then then did. Um, she scored her first two basketball buckets ever in her life in that game, and it was all because, you know, Lebo showed, showed a reeling team some compassion. So I did want to give uh, Coach Patrick Gardner and, and Lebo some credit for the, how they handled it, and also the, the four Pawnee Heights girls that finished the game because that, that could have been a really rough situation, and both teams, you know, turned, a, turned it into a positive by just the way they handled things. Yeah, if that doesn't earn you the sportsmanship award, I'm not sure what what will because I mean, that that's the epitome of sportsmanship right there, and and I expect nothing less from from Lebo and Patrick Gardner. I've, I've known so many people in Lebo over all these years, and and uh, known Patrick for a long time from his day, playing days at Hartford and to his early coaching days and everything. And I'm not I'm not one bit surprised that uh, that's how they handled that situation. So yeah, tremendous. Tremendous display of sportsmanship and class on on Lebo's part to to make that state tournament moment still special for Pawnee Heights, even though the game itself wasn't wasn't what they uh, wasn't you know wasn't going to work out how they how they had maybe hoped. So um, yeah, Lebo will be back. Uh, Audrey Peak was a junior guard uh, standout for him. Sage Hadley was sophomore forward. Uh, Brooklyn Jones will be a big hold for a place. Like you said, uh, just a tremendous athlete, all state volleyball. She's going to Kansas state to compete in track. She was a state track champion in the javelin last spring. And so, uh, Lebo will be back and so will Hanover. And, uh, you know, you, you lose Atkins, who is obviously a, a great player and Massey Holly, uh, one of their standout posts, but they just reload and, kind of like their football program has been for all these years. They just, they just plug new, new names and new faces and new bodies in there and continue their, their job. And so Hanover goes uh, 26 and 0 for an undefeated season. Lebo goes 25 and one, uh, giving us a, you know, it was an undefeated state championship game, which we don't, you just don't get very often in the state. So that's a kind of a cool thing to see. And so, your state champions uh, on the boys' side this year, 6A Blue Valley Northwest, 5A Andover, 4A Hugoton, 3A Heston, 2A Moundridge, 1A Division I Maxville, 1A Division II Tribune Greeley County. Girls' side, Blue Valley North in 6A, St. Thomas Aquinas in 5A, Bishop Miege in 4A, Goodland in 3A, 
Berean Academy in 2A, Donovan West in Class 1A Division One, and Hanover in Class 1A Division Two. And, hey, on the girls' side, you have two conferences or two leagues that account for five of the seven state titles. That's pretty impressive right there when you talk about the Eastern Kansas League getting three in Class 6A, 5A, 4A, and then the Twin Valley League, which, you know, I've, I've long said that I'll stand on that hill and, and die there as the, as the best small school league in the state in terms of like a 1A, 2A type league. Uh, you give me the Twin Valley League, I'll go to war with you. And Donovan West and Hanover, they, uh, they get it done for the Twin Valley League to continue that, that leagues and uh, just tremendous tradition of producing state champions. So that recaps our basketball season. Uh, coming out later this week, we will have the Keisha Covered All-State and All-Class basketball teams, boys and girls. We release our All-State Top 5 and Top 15 selections with bios on the, all top, on the top five players and our coaches of the year. Those will come out Friday on KeishaCovered.com. And then on Saturday, our All-Class teams, every single class, 6A through 1A Division II, first, second, and third teams, plus honorable mention picks, boys and girls. Those will be released on Saturday. So tune in to Keisha Covered's website to check out all the basketball postseason honors. Thank you to all the coaches across the state who took the time to submit your All-State ballot nominations of not only your players, but players you saw this year. Um, I'll go ahead and put a plug in. I'd love to see more of them. Uh, I, there's nothing I, I like more than getting ballots back from coaches, uh, taking the time to promote their kids, their program, and players that they saw. And sometimes, you know, I'll get ballots back from a coach that said, hey, I didn't have a player this year, but here's some players that I saw. I think I like those ballots even more because that's a coach that just understands the process and knows that, hey, when I do have a player, I'm hoping these other coaches do the same for me. So, uh, again, thank you to all the coaches that have submitted your ballots uh, for that this year. Um, again, I, I wish more of you would do it. Uh, we're probably running about a little over half the coaches in the state sent them back this year. And I'd like to see that number well up into the 70 percentile range uh, going forward. So uh, something to keep in mind for future. But uh, again, those announcements will come out Friday for all class, top five, top 15 bios and stories to go along with our uh, with our all-class selection, all, all state selections. And then on Saturday, our all-class teams will come out, boys and girls. For Ricky Peterson, Mac Moore, and Scott Pask, thanks to CapFed, our sponsor. And this has been Brent Maycock and CaciaCover.com podcast.